This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Ivan of Alt Erotic. ASB Cash, the affiliate program for Adult Site Broker, would like to announce we've doubled our affiliate payouts. That's right. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you'll receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a network of sites with massive growth that dominates web traffic in the OnlyFans niche. The business is doing $273,000 in monthly revenue and $192,000 in profit. Revenue grew 34% last month over the previous month and is growing every single month. If you want to grow your OnlyFans account, you pretty much need the traffic from these sites. They receive nearly 10 million visitors a month and drive nearly 5 million high-converting clicks to OnlyFans profiles monthly. They have a top-notch SEO contractor who has gotten these sites to the top of all OnlyFans search terms. All contractors are available to stay on for the new owner. The company gives you everything you need to keep the portfolio of sites growing with minimal time and effort. A lot has already been invested in marketing, most of which will not need to be repeated. It's a cash machine growing like a rocket ship. There's nothing else out there like it. Only $6.2 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Ivan from Alt Erotic. Ivan, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you. I I love to share stories, and um, I can't wait to uh, get into this. Absolutely, including one we discussed before, but we'll get into that in a bit. (laughs) Now, uh, Ivan was born in Russia, came to the United States in 1979 with his parents during the Cold War. His travels took him and his family through Austria and Italy, where they lived for months. Living above a whorehouse in Austria was a precursor to Ivan's award-winning adult filmmaking career. His love for filmmaking grew with his post-high school education as he spent five years in three colleges, including a bachelor's degree in cinematography. Upon graduating from the world-renowned Brooks Institute of Photography, Ivan earned the highly prestigious President's Award, only the 51st student to get that honor in the school's 50-year history. In years of creating independent horror films and documentaries, Ivan collected over two dozen filmmaking awards. He then jumped into the adult movie making. Uh, AVN called him the horror porn maestro with his witty Texas asshole massacre and Dawn of the Head, self-entitled series of movies called Ivan's Slutterama. Uh, Ivan's reputation for hard work and, edu- and dedication on professional set environments landed him the hardest working director in porn trophy and the label as the nicest guy in adult. His eccentric fashion style at industry events have gotten him mainstream attention as his outfits were in Life and Cosmopolitan. Uh, Ivan has over 100 AVN Award nominations. He's won Web Director of the Year and followed that up with back-to-back wins for the same honor at the XRCO Awards. His unique style of storytelling follows original self-written scripts for multi-award-nominated and winning series like Viking Girls Gone Horny, Car Jackers, uh, Sexploitation, Ink Motel, Ho Hunters, and his current inked exploitation of Misha Montana that is being re-edited for a mainstream documentary release. Ivan, that's quite a, quite a resume and all the time we have today, so thank you very much. Okay, so um, you were born in Russia, like my grandparents on both sides. Talk a little bit about your upbringing. Oh, wow. Um, It's so interesting because just that culture shock of, uh, you know, living in Russia and then coming out here in Russia, you know, it's like first eight years of my life, uh, I finished first grade and I actually was learning English in first grade in Russia. 
Um, second grade, I started and had to le- learn Ukrainian, which mm-hmm. I hated. Mm-hmm. It was to me, it was like broken Russian, and I didn't want to learn it. So yeah. um, it was one of those interesting things. One day, when my dad comes home and he goes, "We have been given the right to leave Russia." Ooh. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled because I wanted to go to, to America, and I was thrilled I didn't have to learn Ukrainian anymore. So there were uh, <laughs> two reasons. I was super happy. Um, yeah. And in Russia, it was crazy because I saw color television only once. Wow. Uh, I had a banana only once. Um, I remember bread lines. <laughs> I do remember those. Those wow. were act- the, 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 that was actually a thing. Same with meat lines, and uh, people would fight over who's in line. Wow. Um, it was it was definitely an an interesting place. You know, the funny thing is living in Russia and going to uh, school out there, you get that whole propaganda of like, you know, America's evil and American people are evil. You should be afraid yeah. of America. Yeah. And then I come here and it's reversed. Um, yeah. Russian people are evil and uh, Russia's hmm. evil. So it was this propaganda from both directions. Yeah. And you're just wondering, like, it's just the government's playing people against each other. Of course, and, of you know, course. And, and um, when I was in Russia, I remember them even telling us that on the streets of America, the trees are not even real. They're plastic. I remember this as a child. And, uh, you know, coming here now, <laughs> oh, like, I do funny. see. Isn't that crazy? Like, but now, you know, it, it was a however many, 40 years later, I do see lawns that, that have plastic grass on it. So I guess Russia yes. kind of. You know, predicted the so I guess they weren't ways. completely, oh. uh, completely off. Um, <laughs> have you been back to visit, by yeah. the way? I've always wanted to, never had the opportunity. My parents and I became citizens, I think, about six or seven years ago. It was mm-hmm. just so busy. We never became citizens, not because we didn't wow. want to. Uh, <clears throat> it's just something never happened. And uh, wow. I would love Congratulations. to. Uh, we don't have much of. Yeah, thank you. It was, it was you know, something. It was, it was one of the highlights of my life because Almost being at the thrill. LA Convention Center with, it was thousands of people and everybody yeah. standing there with this giant American flag and everybody's got yeah. their hand up and doing the Pledge of Allegiance and being sworn yeah. in and everybody's crying. Cool. It, it was a really emotional moment because, yeah. you know, yeah. like especially with United States, there are so many different cultures and so many people from all around the world that come here for that opportunity um, sure. to see all these people from all parts of the world just there together and, and, and happy that finally are going to be American citizens. It's right. it's very impactful, you know, because yep. it's not just like one color, one race, one religion. It's everybody. It was like oh, 5,000 sure. people in the whole place. Uh, it, 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 was, it had it to was be wonderful. quite a melting pot. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, you know, it's, uh, Americans knock the country, and I, I do it my share as well, trust me. But when it comes right down to it, okay, uh, if they if they search deep down, you know they appreciate it com- compared to whatever the alternative is. Uh, you know, <clears throat> being an immigrant and seeing what my parents went through and then seeing what my uh, the rest of my relatives went through coming here, it bothers me when Americans who've never traveled outside the um, United States yeah. uh, shit on this country. Because yeah. I, in my, in, and, I, and I always come back with travel outside the borders besides Canada, and then you tell yeah. me where it's better to live. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Try. There's not a 7-Eleven on every corner in every, in every country. Most yeah. countries, you're struggling. You're struggling yeah. for water, for fresh water, for everything else. So mm-hmm. whatever issues there are here – and there are plenty of issues here. It's sure. still land of opportunity. You know, when you see people like Birdman and Little John who are basically billionaires, you go, this country, you can become a billionaire, you know, being a mouth breather. I'm sorry. You know, you have that opportunity. So yep. in other countries, it doesn't matter what you do. You will never get that opportunity. I'll, I'll and this just, is why. I'll just say one thing, Cardi B. One, one million percent. Uh, in Turkey, it's probably one billion percent. And, and you know, and, and this is why you have immigrants that will risk life, limb, families, everything to come here sure. because of that opportunity. And you're not seeing people leaving this country and, and risking everything to go to somewhere else. They're not. Because no. the reality no. is what we have here um, is amazing. You know, like just to watch my parents, you know, yeah. we come here, we travel for, was it four and a half, five months? to mm-hmm. get here and then they spend a year in night school to learn this language. Right. Um I I it's hard for me to sit sometimes uh and and listen to people bashing. I've actually um um I had a, a deep conversation with a coworker last year who mm. she was very adamant about 
you know, uh, when Trump called, I forget which uh, Haiti or something, he called it a shithole. And she's like, he calls Haiti a shithole. This country is a shithole. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Sl- you know, slow down. Well, <laughs> maybe as a president, yeah, he should be saying these the things. can't compare the U.S. to Haiti. Yeah. I'm all like, come on. I go, at the end of the day, yeah, as a president, 100% he shouldn't say that. But let's let's be realistic. This country is not a shithole. Because no. if you really think this country is a shithole co- compared to Haiti, then move to Haiti. Move and to then, Haiti. And then literally yeah. call me the next day ask me to come, asking me to come back. So, uh, yes, president should not be talking like this. But no. A common person well, the on the current, street is well, definitely the current that. one does not, fortunately. Yeah, well, the current one doesn't say anything, right? I guess <laughs> that's the way it looks. Yeah, um, he doesn't. He he certain he certainly doesn't say things like that. Thank goodness. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> you know, and and, and that's uh, so to me, to me. It's like, and I always tell people, go before you really, really, really bash on the United States, go talk to some immigrants, go talk to some older people. You know, because because knowledge is everything, and and. Life experiences yeah. are everything. And yeah, and knowledge is everything, people. and there's a lot of people in the U.S. who have little or none, I'm afraid. Right. It, and it, that's – yes. It, or, or they take it for granted because yeah. it just so easily comes to you. And uh, Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this country, 100%, there are issues here. Yeah, but I wouldn't change – this the place I live for anything maybe Canada I was in Canada once I was like wow everybody's very very polite and yeah, apologetic it's I a love lovely it here. place <laughs> yeah it's as long as you're yes, not in a real cold so. spot <laughs> and most of Canada's yeah, really right. cold <laughs> mm-hmm. especially there's some craziness going on right now oh I just saw God. I just saw these these videos I'm like whoa uh, wow look at this <laughs> yeah yeah as we re- we record this on February second uh, in the summer when it runs people will go huh what Okay, yeah, so right, right, right. Um, so what was your youth like with all the moving around the world on the way to the States? It was, uh, again, it was, it was an insane culture shock because the things I remember, I remember being at the border leaving Russia and having all these KGB agents basically steal whatever you have. So oh, a lot geez. of people would swallow their jewelry, uh, oh, hide it. Um, we were told bring um, bribe bribes for the for the agents whether it's sure. whether it's money or vodka typically vodka was sure. really weird but but the stereotype <laughs> is true uh I, my grandfather gave me 300 rubles which is russian money and uh right. they they took that from me um it, it was it was it was insane to see that and then you know it's like we crossed the border and all these immigrants cross the border, and then you sleep at the train station for a day until mm-hmm. you get on the train in the morning to go to, I think it was like Czechoslovakia and then Poland, and you just yeah. kind of make your way all the way across. Mm. Um, and then the first supermarket we ever saw was in Austria. Mm. So we uh, walk into the supermarket, and I shit you not, it was it was like that sound, oh, that's literally what was going through <laughs> all our heads. We just stood there with our jaws dropped. You walk into it's a like- supermarket after leaving Russia – yeah. Oh my after, gosh. Oh my after gosh. bread lines. After bread lines. After, sure. after bread lines. And I remember <laughs> it, the funny thing is, I actually remember the first thing that was bought for me at the store. My parents wow. bought me a Cowboys and Indian set. Um, a little, you know, they're like, <laughs> they're just plastic. It was just like plastic molds of Cowboys right. and Indians. And, and the Cowboys had a little wagon. Um, I wish I still had this stuff. I still have some of the toys, but uh, most of them are gone. But uh, it was, it was amazing. Uh, just because, yeah, just the difference in, 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 in culture and everything that's available to you just right there at the tip of your fingers. Um, and then we lived in this brick building uh, for a month and a half in Austria and uh, on the top floor. And I was this, you know, cute little Russian kid with big cheeks. And so we would walk down to go to the store or leave or whatever. And there would always be women in there. And they were always like dressed in <laughs> bikinis or whatever else. And they would always like pinch my cheeks and I would see their posters outside in the outside the building. Oh, I always wonder like, what is going on here? Like, you know, I'm a child. I don't know, Russian child at that. Yeah. Um, later in life, my parents tell me we lived above a whorehouse. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. How, that's, how old were you? How old were you when they told you this? Oh gosh, I had to be like in my twenties because I don't think they did because my parents are still like very you know like old old school Russians. So of course so they don't want to course. share stuff like that. But then right. I think I, I might have asked them one day. It was like, what was that building? And they're like, oh, it was just like above a whorehouse or you know red light district. <laughs> uh, I'm like, wow, okay, that makes sense. I've lived in a whorehouse now. I work in the whorehouse basically. Um, That's funny. You know, and and then we lived in Italy for three months. Uh, I got to see Rome. 
And as a child, you really don't mm-hmm. appreciate it, you know, obviously, because you're a child. Um, right. The only thing I knew about Rome was I saw Spartacus, um, was not Spartacus, uh, yes, yeah, Spartacus in Russia in the theater. So mm. I had a little bit of like, you know, knowledge of of, of what was, that was all about. But I wish I would right. go back there as an adult just to appreciate yeah. the massive beauty of oh, the architecture and everything else. Italy's freaking awesome. We spent some time yeah. up, up in the wine country in the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, place is just so uh, we want to go we, we wanted to go back last year but you know what happened so yeah what can i what can, what can i say yeah, right. <laughs> it, 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 it was you know we were there for three months and the funny thing is as a child my parents would eat pizza and as a child i don't know what it was i thought it was like raw meat i wouldn't touch pizza until oh, like I, you know i was in the united states and then i bit into one and you know and then again it was like oh moment where it's like, <laughs> where have you been on my life you know um but, but yeah the funny thing is like us living in the whorehouse when i was eight and a half when i was yeah. 14 i was in playboy magazine mm. um and i actually have the issue um our uh our friend's mom she was an editor or something of playboy and they needed four kids to play basketball with one of the Playboy playmates, I think her name was Kathy Smith or something like that, and they, they took pictures of us playing basketball with her because oh, no. in the article it was about how she goes to the local you know rec center to play basketball with the kids, and then the next picture is like her at the studio recording her music and things like that, which was all you know bullshit. <laughs> but uh, we got paid twenty five bucks for three hours to basically go through puberty. It was in nineteen eighty four. Oh, we were God. all like thirteen or fourteen years old. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you get to hang out and play basketball with a Playboy Playmate. And every time she bent down, she's wearing a tank top. Oh, I tell you what, Oof. man. You know, it's just like just as a child, especially back then, you know, this is before Internet, before yeah. you had magazines that you could like right. steal from your right. parents to look at porn. This was like literally like, oh, my God, I'm going through puberty right now. And my pants are all wet. You know, it, it was. Oh, fuck. Yes. That had insane, to be insane. You know, yeah, that had to be completely insane. Yeah, that's, um, that, that's like spec material for weeks. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. So talk about the culture shock when you got to the U.S. Oh, my goodness. Um, that was the, the hardest part about coming the, in 1979 to the United States was the Cold War because mm. you're Russian and right. you barely know the language, and kids pick on you, you know, oh, because you're like, sure. oh, he's a Russian kid, oh, communist, they whatever on, they else. They picked on me, and I was an American, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, you know. <laughs> kids bull- are cool. Bullying's been, yeah, exactly. And then um, the beauty of it was, was like learning all these amazing things. You know, in Russia, we had only two channels. We only had cartoons, I think, on weekends. Here, <laughs> oh, my God, I... Tom and Jerry all day. Oh my gosh, Tom and Jerry. I remember <laughs> I remember everything I watched. I watched Tom and Jerry, then Chips, then Emergency 50. Uh that was my daily routine with a with one or two hot dogs and a and a tomato for some reason rather than ketchup. <laughs> um but just to go through gosh, the 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 the, the vastness of what America is and, and resources that we had um we never had a car in Russia. We come here, my you know, my dad gets a car. Uh, so now we're sure. in a car. <laughs> um, things like well, that. that. So that'd be cool after being in Russia. Oh my gosh, you know, and 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 just all the channels. I mean, even back then, there was only like what, like channel two, two, four. There was only maybe like yeah. seven or eight channels because there was no cable back then. But that was but a still, lot for more you. More than two channels. Yeah, and cartoons all day. That was in, in Russia. Sure. We had only one cartoon, and it was called Nupagadi, and it was it was a wolf. That was smoking and wearing an Adidas, of course, Adidas jumpsuit, and <laughs> and his whole point is to catch this rabbit, like basically like a Wiley Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote, sure, except sure. very like politically incorrect. You know, the, right. the, the wolf is running around smoking a cigarette, you know, the whole time, and <laughs> and and the you know, and, and then dresses as a as a he's basically like a cross dresser, and some trying trying to get to to the That's rabbit. hilarious. I'll, I just, but it's Russia, you know, and especially back then. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Being here uh, and going to school, the good part about United States is that when you come to this country, you get, especially in LA, you go, you stay in a class called ESL, which is e- English as a second language. Right. So right. now you're in a class with a bunch of kids from other countries yep. and some kids from your country, and each teacher has an assistant that speaks your language, mm. uh, which was really nice. But sure. the funniest thing is, so first day of class, I'm sitting there, and the teacher's doing roll call. 
and she said she says my full Russian name that I didn't even realize that was my full name. She mm-hmm. says she says Vyacheslav, and I'm sitting there. Everybody's sitting around. I'm not answering because I my real I know my name is Slava. Mm-hmm. Ivan is my director name, and um, and then she says my last name, and everybody laughs at my first sure. name. And sure. now I'm mortified. I'm this Russian kid, little kid, nine years old, whatever. Yeah, I was. yeah nine yeah. years old. I went home and cried. I yelled oh. at my parents for calling me Vyacheslav. What kind of name is that? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm already called Spider-Man because our last name is Spider-Man. So, so we're getting oh, that. Uh, now Vyacheslav. And then, you know, years later when the word Vyach comes around, I became Vyacheslav. You know, so, <laughs> was, you know, it was just a call. Vyacheslav Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, exactly. Whatever. You know, years later when you grow up, you're like, that's a fucking cool name because that's different than John Smith or Steve or yep. whatever, you know, this. Exactly. It's different, but, but the, when you were but a at child, the time, it man. didn't seem too cool. Yeah, no, not at all. You know, nah. it's like even when I got in porn, I uh, I didn't want to use my real name, and then years later, I'm like, God dang it, I should have just used my real name, and it would have been way cooler. But you know, so <laughs> that's uh, funny. That's life. So so oh. talk about so you when you were living above a whorehouse as a kid, you had no idea it was a whorehouse. None. I just I just saw a lot of pretty girls. At least I assumed they were pretty. You know, I was a child. Um, sure. In, in in bikinis or like you know scantily clad right. women just walking around with you know I didn't see anybody naked as far as I remember. I don't think anybody. Was, but but I did. But they were yeah they were half naked. They were just in little bikinis or lingerie or whatever else. Sure. I had no idea. But I couldn't get down those stairs without somebody pinching my cheeks or giving me a hug. That, mm-hmm. that I remember. Oh sure, sure. sure. Um, Absolutely. And you never asked your folks then what, what all that was no, about? No, I was just deer in headlights, child in headlights. That's you know? hilarious. Literally headlights. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's for, that's <laughs> freaking hilarious. So, oh, I know. We were talking before uh, the podcast about a mutual friend, Nick Manning. Um, you, you had a good story about him. Yeah. I love Nick Manning. Nick Cave Manning. When he had his long hair, he used to call himself <laughs> Cave Manning. Yep. Um, I, 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 I love Nick. So um, Indeed. one day we we're shooting. So so Nick is notorious for breaking furniture and he prides himself on breaking furniture, which is like crazy to me because, you know, <laughs> his shoot, his house was a shoot house and yep. it was literally like um, it would, his furniture would be gone. Like we, so we go to shoot to his shoot at his house one day, going to buy his backyard and his backyard is just filled with broken furniture. <laughs> chairs, little wooden tables, things like that. So yeah. uh, we're shooting the scene with him, and he's got this girl on the table, and he's kind of like it's not an open over, but but he's like on his tippy toes. So 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 he's, he, he, I think she was maybe, maybe in doggy. So I get underneath him to get the un- underneath shot, and it was like a really cool shot. So I'm shooting. And I feel something rubbing on top of my head. And I'm just like, because I had my hat off. I always wore my hat, but I had my hat off. And I'm just like, what is that? Right? I think you should and have I'm worn your hat. 100%. Yeah. A body condom. You know? So so, so I'm like, what is that? And I, but I can't see because I'm like looking at the shot. Right. And I look over at, at, the, at my friend who is producing the scene. And he is holding his mouth shut because he keeping from laughing and i was like what is happening here right and then when we were done i'm like what what, what was what was that and he's like that was nick's nick's saggy balls were like like rubbing on your on your head the whole time i'm like oh man seriously what are you gonna do right i mean it's it's, it's just has, it's just part of the job um, that's you know? really fucking so, that's really um, that's that's really fucking funny but that's but with Nick, it, every scene with Nick was um, something interesting. One day, we pulled up to his house, and mm-hmm. he lived on top of this hill, mm-hmm. in this house on top of the hill in, in the valley. Mm-hmm. And he's standing there, butt naked, butt naked, just looking at the sun, like no sunglasses, staring at the sun. <laughs> and I walk up to him, I'm like, Nick, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm staring at the sun with my third eye. I go, excuse me, what? And he goes, yeah, I'm staring at the sun with my third eye. And then he goes and tells me this whole story about third eyes and spirituality and everything else. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I just went back to like, you know, setting up my shots and everything else. And, <laughs> and with Nick, it was always like, you know, like with Nick, it was funny because with Nick, you'd get like during a scene, he would say the weirdest shit, right? Like the mm. weirdest, dumbest shit. Mm-hmm. Suck my dick, you dirty cunt, you dirty whore. Like, like he was so into it because he was Nick Cave Manning. 
and then the scene's over. He's like, how's, how's that? Everything good? You know, and, and then he starts <laughs> quoting the Bible. And you're like, you just called her a dirty cunt whore, and now you're quoting the Bible, like, Five minutes later, okay, no problem. Um, yeah, and but that, he's whatever that, and whatever that saying was would end up on a T-shirt. Yes, you know, because he had he had um, dropping loads uh, yeah. copywritten. Yeah. That was trademark. Yeah. That was his. And yeah. it was a uh, loads, yeah. hot tub time machine. Actually, used it, and he sued them and won. As far as I remember, oh, no. um, I didn't know because they used that in the movie. And because uh, at one point, my company Puba um, that I called with two other guys, we were doing his website, and I remember that happening. And I think he actually got a Jaguar out of it. As far That's as fun. I remember. Nice. Um, I could be wrong, but I remember that was that was the story. He either got a Jaguar or some some sort of car, but um, <laughs> he always came on set with a robe that said Manning, um, mm-hmm. which was the best part. Like he pulled this up in his Jag convertible Jag in the right. robe, yeah, and he gets yeah. out and he's like Ric Flair walking on set with yeah. Manning on the on his robe. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading the. I'm reading dropping loads now, and uh, I'm a, uh-huh. I'm about three quarters through it, and uh, yeah, Is it good? it's. Is it good? Uh, you haven't read it? Oh, you need to. No. Uh, oh, Of course, you've lived gosh. it, so you don't need to read it. You've lived it. <laughs> he, so it's I, all in there. I actually there. just got a text from him like a few weeks ago. Every mm-hmm. time he changes his number, he just texts me, Nick Manning here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. Okay, Nick, gotcha. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I'll tell I, got you one, no, I got two numbers for him, so. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I got a one quick funny story about him. So we were shooting mm-hmm. him. I was shooting a series called uh, Hit Me With Your Best Squirt. What so was it called? We had to sh- you dropped for a second. Oh, hit me with your best best squirt. Like hit me with your okay. best shot, but hit me with your right. best squirt. We actually had Tom. It was Tom Byron Pictures. Tom Byron actually wrote a whole song that was like hit me with your best shot, but it was hit me with your best squirt. <laughs> and it was Nick Manning and this girl. And you know you're booking girls that squirt. So yeah. and they're supposed to squirt. And if you can't fake it, drink a lot of water and fake it. Let's let's right. get through this. So yep. this girl tells us I can squirt. Okay, so. We're shooting in the most uncomfortable spot in this tiny bathroom in LA. AC's off. It's like 120 degrees inside, Jeez. and she's like on the le- on the, like edge of this bathtub, and uh, and Nick is just pounding, just trying to get her to squirt, and he's drenched. I'm drenched. She's drenched. And then I stop the scene and go, "Hey, can you squirt? Can you?" She goes, "Well." Only if um, he fucks me right. Uh, like, no, 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 no. Oh, this is geez. not like called, oh, maybe if I squirt website or, I mean, DVD, this is hit me with your best squirt. I right. go, can you go drink some water and just fake it? Just piss, please. Okay. So I go to Nick. I go, because Nick doesn't take hit me with, uh, you know, uh, um, dropping loads as a serious thing. He thinks it's funny. Right. So I asked him, I go, okay, what if this girl. When she's about to squirt, she says, hit me. You go. You say to her, hit me with your best squirt. And she says, dropping squirts, dropping squirts. So we get to that point. Yeah. And <laughs> she didn't drink enough water. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, so we're shooting. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. She start, when soon as she says dropping squirts, she's going to go. And she yells out, dropping squirts. And the smell in that bathroom was like an outhouse at like a, at a baseball game. You know, it was, it was horrendous. I was like, this room is now covered in sweat, covered in piss, and it smells like sweat and piss mixed together. It was Ugh. horrendous. So she dropped not squirts on us. She dropped piss on us, all over us. Lovely. You know, so, Lovely. Yeah, that was a... Yeah. Uh, yes, nobody nobody <laughs> said it was a sanitary business. So mm. um, how did you end up getting in the getting into the adult industry in the first place? It's interesting because I, I went to three three uh, film schools and I got a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree in cinematography. I was working on the TV show called The X Show as a video utility guy, basically holding mm-hmm. the camera guy's cable. And mm. uh, uh, I was a big wrestling fan and there was a wrestling, a local wrestling show called XPW. They were doing their King of the Deathmatch tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was. I've never been to a deathmatch. The only thing I knew about deathmatch was a celebrity deathmatch on MTV. So I take my 15-year-old brother to this thing. And what we saw was basically murder without somebody dying. I It's because oh, wrestling death matches are brutal. It's, you know, they use barbed wire, glass, thumbtacks, whatever they can on each other. Uh, <clears throat> it's still wrestling that's predetermined who's going to win. But everything from the beginning to who's going to win, all hell breaks loose. And it's a tournament. Yeah. So it's eight guys and, and it's like a round robin, you know, and, like you, and then eventually you have one winner. So... I go back to the TV show, and one of the hosts was uh, a wrestling fan. So I tell him all about mm-hmm. it. He's like, take me to the next one, to the next show. So I take him to the next show. 
and we get to go backstage. Uh, or, or at least he does, and he meets the the general manager of this wrestling company and the owner, mm. who was Rob Black. Mm. And Rob Black is a pornographer who used right. to do used to have a website called uh, a company called Extreme Associates. So mm-hmm. he owned both. He both owned XPW, which is Extreme Pro Wrestling, and Extreme Associates, which was the porn company. Okay. So they eventually uh, Rob. Uh, and and his uh, wife at the time, Lizzie Borden, would come on the TV show and do little segments. So I became somewhat friendly with them, same with my brother. So my mm-hmm. brother started doing their their website, their their wrestling website, mm-hmm. and I would shoot like little ringside stuff, ringside stuff for them here and there, just like more creative. I wasn't the main camera guy; I was just shooting like creative angles that they could cut music videos with. Okay. And um, when my brother turned eighteen, he started working for them. Uh, doing the adult stuff, doing editing for the adult stuff. Then I came on board. Um, he showed them my reel, my mainstream reel, and they brought me in to shoot behind the scenes for Evolution Erotica, which was basically it was it was the sister company. They were basically one company, just two different names. Tom mm-hmm. Byron owned Evolution Erotica. Rob Black owned Extreme Associates, mm-hmm. and I brought, was brought in to shoot behind the scenes. And I shot super cool behind the scenes where I did it more of like MTV style. I did like little little um, animated graphics and cutouts of the girls and flying around and, and things like that. Down to the reviewers of the movies were doing a separate section to review my behind the scenes. Um, hmm. And it would get special different ratings for them because... I was all into it. Like I was a filmmaker. I had a bachelor's degree in cinematography. I, I, you know, I, I want to be a filmmaker. So now this is my opportunity to be super creative and do some really weird, fun stuff. And with Extreme Associates, uh, you know, to me, that was creatively the best job I ever had because mm. Rob Black basically said, do whatever you want. Right. He had three rules, and he, and those three rules I stuck with, and and two of them were obscene, and one of them was don't make fun of Jews because they're only in the industry. And I'm like, I got it, I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, do I agree I'm with that? Al- eh? I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So so I was like, whatever. Like I'm fine with with whatever, you know. And so he gave me him and Tom Byron gave me my first opportunity, and I was just just a PA. And be a scenes guy. And one day I was on set with a guy that um, just came back to directing porn. And let me tell you, he didn't know what he was doing. Mm. Um, and I was so upset watching him direct and what he did and how horrible. He was a nice guy, amazingly nice guy. But the quality of his work was atrocious. Mm. Um, so uh, I was driving home one day after set. And I called the general manager, uh, Kevin. And I, I told him, I go, you know, I'll shoot circles around people like him. I'm sorry. I know how to light. I know how to white balance a camera. I know how to hold a steady shot. I know how to tell a story with lighting, camera, and the angles and everything else. Sure. So one day, um, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where uh, you, when you're finally put on the spot, you freak out. And that's what happened with me. One day, I get a call from Kevin, and he goes, Tommy's sick today. You're going to shoot the scene. And I panicked. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How do you do that? Because... You know, when you're new to this, especially back then when, when it wasn't like now everybody and their mother shoots porn on their cell phone and everything's fine. Sure. Back then, it's a legit production with with yep. a real location. Uh, um, I, I had a photographer with me, uh, talent that was getting paid really good money. And mm-hmm. on the way to set, I'm like, maybe I should drive my car into a tree so we don't have to do the shoot. So this way I have an excuse. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go shoot. I'm, I'm, I was so paranoid and so f- and freaking out. Luckily, we went to set, and both performers I've worked with before, and they saw how nervous I was, and uh, they go, we got you, man. Whatever you need, we got you. Cool. And um, uh, it turned out great. Um, I've never seen a girl a stuff her pussy with panties before, and she, this girl did it during the tease, <laughs> and I was like, whoa. I was like, I was in shock. What What is going on here? Um, <laughs> and uh, it turned out great, and then... And then it just kind of snowballed from there, where they they started watching my stuff, and they, and I shot probably about a dozen bonus scenes for DVDs because this is when pornography was making real money. So yeah. you would have a DVD or back then VHS as well, sure. uh, and you would have five five see five or six scenes on the on the VHS. But then mm-hmm. for the DVD, you have a bonus scene. Literally, right. companies would spend three to four thousand dollars, if not more, to shoot a bonus scene for the DVD. 
Yep. Now, these are full budgets for movies. Back then, yeah, here's four grand. Go shoot a bonus scene. So I shot about 10 to 12 bonus scenes for DVDs. um, And they loved what I was doing. And they were like, just go do whatever the hell you want. Um, Hmm. So I started shooting really unique stuff. I did Texas Asshole Massacre that put me on the map as uh, a director. I uh, got offers from Wicked Pictures to direct Hmm. them. I'm very, very loyal who I work for. And I turned them down. Because um, I don't care if I – to me, I, I'm so about the art of it that money is – yeah, you have to pay your bills. But money's never been the reason for me to take a job. It's always been about the sure. creative process and people I work with. And um, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. Sitting in the conference room filled with AVN trophies and posters and amazing box covers and being told – your movie won't beat ours, even though yours is better because our budget's hundred grand or whatever it was, and yours was eight thousand yeah. dollars. And sorry, but you won't win. If you want to start winning awards, you got to come here. And you know what? Hmm. That didn't inspire me to want to go work for them. I was like, "Fuck you! I don't want to work for you." Exactly. Are you kidding me? Like, I, exactly. I, I I I don't care about the fucking awards. I care about my creative outlet. I care about the people I work with. Yeah, working for Extreme Associates. Sometimes you're like. Oh my goodness. Okay, another day like this. But creatively and the people I work with, I I loved, loved that job. Yeah, um yeah. and Texas Asso Massacre did. You know, it put me on the map as like Avian called me the horror porn maestro. They also <laughs> said my movies were my editing was MTV style. And I'm like, this is cool. This is like yeah. 18, 19 years ago. And to me that meant a lot because I'm shooting a sure. no budget. I'm not shooting huge name talent and we have all these pitfalls of like you know like extreme associates had a really bum rap you know they really did in the sense of like everybody and their mother thought that we were you know molesting people on set which never happened it was yeah everybody that came to set we shot yeah we shot um rougher stuff energetic stuff but everyone that came in we're like here's what we shoot we would put the vhs tape in and and show it to them do you mm-hmm. want to shoot this? Are you comfortable shooting this? If they said yes, cool, let's go. And then you could stop anytime, especially with my productions. Yeah. And if you're not happy, you can leave. Like that's yeah. you know, so and I and I loved working there. I, I worked with Mark Zane, who's one of the directors and performers there. Chris Justice was there, Lizzie Borders directed, mm-hmm. Rob Black was directing, Tom yep. Byron. Yep. It was like a family of people that were the stepchildren of the industry, rightfully so for some some of the things they did before I got there. You know, you know, mm-hmm. like like throwing. I suppose I guess they threw like a smoke bomb in AVN offices or something like that. Oh, um, somebody told me I wasn't there for that, but um, and then we had Gene Ross that would come to set all the time and do on set pieces for Adult FYI. It was like it was it literally was a family. It was a gross family sure. in many ways because you know there was just so much that was. You know, like depending on, on what room, you know, you walk in this room, oh, there's a prolapsed asshole. Oh, you walk in this room, there's like boogers on the door. You know, you walk in this oh, room please. and there's something else going on. But um, it was wonderful. You know, like, yeah, you, you're, we're not, none of us were getting rich. And this is when Rob was fighting his obscenity charges. You know, so yeah. there was a lot going on. Um, and then we had Coffee Ron that came in and he shot oh, 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 some of the stuff he was shooting. Um, we were like, Okay, this is like uh, insanity. But he was such a mm. nice guy. He was always like, he was almost like too nice to the girls. We we're like, dude, you're shooting yeah. like really rough shit, and you're being way too like, you know, which is good, which is great. But yeah, it was one of those things where like, and that's why I think we got a bum rap because what people saw was being shot, and what, um, and Rob, you know, Rob. Big mouth, you know, like Rob was like, <laughs> fuck you and everything else running around middle fingers in the air. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot of good sure. and I learned a lot of bad. And and I learned a lot from Tom Byron, who one day him and I sat on set and he, and I asked him, I go, how do DVD sales work or movie sales work? And he broke it down for me and he straight hmm. up said, he goes, look, what you do is with every movie, you make sure that the customer, when he rents the movie, he wants to keep it. So he'll yeah. keep it. He'll pay the he pay the store a little extra to hold on to it. Now the store has to reorder it. Or better yet, what if that person goes to the store, loves the box cover, loves what's on the back, or loves the director, the girls in it, buys it instantly. Now rebuild. Now you have to now you have to restock. Right. So they buy right. more product. So this is how you sell your product. So when when Tom Byron told me this, 
in my head, it sparked like every movie I need to do, I need to do something outside the box. And that's mm-hmm. what I started doing. I did a series called Euthanasia where all the Asian girls were like, even though euthanasia means, you know, killing animals. Ours was different. When they told me you're going to do a series with Asian girls, and I'm like, cool. They're like, it's going to be called Euthanasia. I'm like, wait, we're killing these girls? or I'm just confused what's happening here. They're like, no, no, no. They're younger girls, but they're Asian girls. So I'm like, cool. I got it. So I started putting like really insane like anime style makeup on them. And um, the first one I did, I did this game on the DVD called Guess the Camel Toe. I took pictures of all the girls' camel toes. And there was like a game as a bonus where if you guess all the camel toes, you get a bonus scene. You know, like things like Hmm. that where I thought was super unique. Uh, For instance, like Texas Asshole Massacre, the reason it got so big was because – the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the final scene is where Leatherface chases this girl with with his chainsaw through the woods, and then she jumps in the car in this truck and takes off. And he does this dance with a it's called the, like the chainsaw dance where he's like waving it around, he's like screaming. So at the mm. end of Texas Asshole Massacre, I did the same thing. I had my ex Cami Andrews with a three foot dildo chasing Gia Paloma through the <laughs> woods. We we rented this location like total backwoods redneck Love it. place. We shot all this, like the chasing, the full chasing through these woods. I We had actually broke one of the cameras because I had one of these tiny little cameras that had a mini DV ca- tape in there. And we had Gia holding it in front of her face as she was running. And all the shock from running broke the camera, but the, ta- oh, the footage looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so I did this scene. And then, in fact, I made Cammy watch the end scene of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the the chase scene and the whole dance so she could recreate it with, instead of a chainsaw, a big three-foot dildo. <laughs> so we do this end chase scene and to me, I'm like, this is, this is it. This is, this is my <laughs> masterpiece, you know? And, uh, and the coolest thing was years later, I run into Sage Stallone at a film festival out here in Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sylvester Stallone's son. And he yeah. comes up to me and he goes, you're Ivan, right? I go, yup. And he goes, I fucking love Texas Asshole Massacre. In fact, I own it. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 what? Sylvester Stallone's son owns my movie? And then there's a girl named uh, – um, there's two girls in the industry who are fans of this movie. One owns it on VHS. Another one did a th- college thesis on Texas Asshole Massacre in her college. That's funny. So, so this movie like, like has thesis. these legs. <laughs> yes. Isn't that crazy? And That's then hilarious. Um, s- some big YouTuber a few years back had it on this top 10 craziest and funniest like porn titles. Um, <laughs> so yeah. it's got legs of its own. We're trying with my, my fiance, Misha, we're trying to figure out how to get rights to it so we could do part two and have her nice. as the lead as, as the daughter of my ex, Cammie. Uh, because it was 20 years ago and it would be almost like, you know, it would line up time wise. Uh, So we're trying to figure out how to do Texas Hassle Massacre too. And that, that would be like my, then I could retire or a meteor could land on my head and I'll be completely fine. Life's done. I'm happy. That's amazing. So, so how did you get into the production of horror films? uh, When I was going to film school, my, one of my first classes, uh, one of my classmates, her boyfriend at the time, was doing uh, a horror film called The Crier, and one mm-hmm. of our instructors at the school was the director of it. So mm. I I was just a crew guy. I was brand new to 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 film school. I was brand new to filmmaking, and but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people that ran around with a t- cable on each shoulder. It was, it, this cable is called Bandit, and seventy five pounds each. I would throw one on each shoulder and. <laughs> And run around with it, you know, like setting it up and stuff like that. Um, So I became really good friends with the producer. His name is John. And uh, then I wound up doing one of my my, uh, school projects was the effects artist on this movie, The Crier, this guy Simon. Hmm. We wanted to do a short piece on him for one of our uh, classes where he does a whole step of of, uh, sculpting a mask. Uh, and then put molding a face, sculpting a mask, and going through the whole process of it. And so mm-hmm. we all became like buddies. The guy that was the uh, that played the eventually the witch, who was the mold made out of his face, he, he this guy Jason. We all became like 
really tight. Those three guys, they grew up together in Carpinteria. And they mm-hmm. were doing horror movies as kids and editing them on VCR to VCR. Huge, mm-hmm. insane horror fans. So they got <laughs> me hooked on horror movies. I, I was already a fan. I love, you know, I like Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, Friday the 13th. I was a huge Hellraiser fan. Mm-hmm. And they started showing me some really weird shit, like, like Asian horror that's like insane. To this yeah. day, it's insane, from even from back then. And uh, and then we started doing horror movies. We uh, did a movie called Y2K Shutdown Detected. It took us almost two and a half years. I was the co-director and cinematographer on there. It was on 16 millimeter film. <laughs> and we the movie was about the computer shutdown of Y2K. Because remember when everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. we, uh, the clocks are going to turn over. It's going to be had, the end I of the world. I had a Y2K party. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. With our movies called Y2K Shutdown Detected. And it was a zombie movie. So oh, we- it took us almost two and a half years to finish this movie. We finished like December twenty seventh of nineteen ninety nine on this damn oh movie, you know. Um, and this movie, it exploded because back then, this you're talking about year two thousand. This is before social media. This right. is before really internet. Before really like you put stuff on DVD. I, mm-hmm. um, I'm very much about promotion. So what I did was. I designed the box cover because I do everything myself. I light, I shoot, I do graphics, whatever else. Mm. So I designed wow. the box cover for the movie. I made 50 copies of the movie and started sending it out to every magazine I could possibly send it to. Great. And uh, then this is my pride and joy of my indie horror career. We wait, we had a booth at Fangoria Magazine's Weekend of Horrors, and I had all mm-hmm. these envelopes that I had with, with a movie inside um, a little background about the movie and the filmmakers. It was myself, John, and Trent. We were the three filmmakers on it. And um, mm-hmm. I would give it out to to big-name actors or, or directors. And um, I wound up giving a copy to John Landis, mm-hmm. who directed my favorite movie ever, American Royal from London. I... Mm. I love this. This, this, this that that right there to me is like the staple of what horror horror movies and werewolf movies are, and um, gave him a copy of this movie, you know, just in the envelope. And thinking nothing of it, about I don't know, a few weeks later, I get an envelope back from him. With he returned the movie with a with a handwritten letter that says, "Thank you so much for letting us watch your movie. We really my uh, my business partner and I enjoyed it." So I'm like, "Oh my goodness, oh my goodness!" So I <laughs> send him a letter back to this address. And I asked for a quote for the for our poster, for our box cover, whatever else. And I don't know, a few weeks after that, I get this postcard of Alfred Hitchcock. And on the back, it says, in quotes, Y2K and zombies, what could be better? John Landis. Jeez. It was, I'm like, I got goosebumps just thinking about this because it was so amazing that this man who's a legendary director will take the time to watch the movie yeah. and then take the time to get a postcard hand sign it and send it back to to us yeah so i still have it framed on my mantle here at the house um and then a few years later when uh american world for london was coming on its uh 30 year anniversary i think it was um he was at the there's a theater out here called the grindhouse theater with that now quinn tarantino owns mm-hmm. and they show old films so back then john landis was coming in to show a 35 millimeter print of american world from london and i brought the postcard with me so he stuck around, did a Q and A, <laughs> and I came up to him afterwards. I give, I hand him the the postcard. He looks at it and flips it over, and he remembers me. Well, remembers yeah. the movie, yeah. and he goes, "Oh, I remember this movie." And he signed the signed the postcard again and says, "John Landis again." And uh, yeah, I have the postcard. Nice. It's my pride and joy of filmmaking, sure. and um, and the movie eventually we sold it, and it's on DVD. It. How small the world is. The movie The Crier that I worked on where I first met John when mm-hmm. my first semester in film school, it there was a low-budget uh, horror company called EI Cinema or Alternative Cinema. They would release like low-budget horror movies. They released The Crier. They changed the name to The Demonist. They re- released The Crier uh, on DVD, and they put our Y2K Shut the Detected movie as a bonus movie. Oh, so wow. it was like this. It it was it was amazing because again, I still ha- you know, I have the DVD. Um sure. it was the coolest thing that's ever happened to us. Um we made in our two and a half years to put this movie together and shooting it on film and all the money we spent, they gave us two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so we're like, <laughs> yes, we're gonna go to dinner and have a hell of a dinner. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you yeah, go. You get a steak out of and, uh, you get a steak out of that one. <laughs> 
Exactly, so, exactly. So what do you still want to do in this business that you haven't done already? Um, gosh, you know, um, to me, it's so important to make sure that people in this industry are treated right. Um, I've always mm-hmm. been known as the guy who, uh, and people always say that, Ivan doesn't try to fuck the girls, and he doesn't try to fuck the girls out of money. Yeah. I've literally been with, in 20 years, three girls in the industry. One, and one mm-hmm. I dated for 18 months, which was Cammy, my ex. One was like, okay, you're pursuing me way too much, and I'm still a guy, and um, you know, whatever. And and now my fiance, Misha Montana, is basically it, you know. So to me, it's mm-hmm. always been about doing the right thing, making sure that women and men are treated with the utmost respect on set because yep. I always looked at it like this. If you treat someone with respect on set, especially doing these vulnerable things, because sex is still a vulnerable thing. It's people opening themselves up yes. um, for your camera, you know, literally they're opening up for your camera. Um, <laughs> if you are polite if you treat them with respect they'll give you so much more i used to shoot first timers when i was at anabolic i shot a lot of first timers and a lot Mm -hmm. of girls would later come back to me and they would go like you spoiled me on your set because you were so nice and respectful and and uh, had me do only what i was comfortable doing a lot of girls gave me the firsts dakota brooks years ago everything that she ever shot first she did for me and i wasn't paying her the the, the best rate for it, but mm-hmm. she trusted me and she appreciated that I was kind to her. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's important. And, and the, right now, our pet project really is, um, we did this movie called Exploitation of Misha Montana, which is my fiance. It started mm-hmm. off literally as, we're going to do a scene with her, which was, um, she got, you know, the, the, the movies Aliens with Sigourney Weaver? Mm-hmm. So the face hugger, the one that sits on the on the people's faces and impregnates their face with uh, with an alien, she had that tattooed on on her pussy, and hmm. we recorded this for Alterotic. It was a five hour session. Uh, it was in 2020 when the pandemic was 20 no 20 what's it 2021 when the pandemic mm-hmm. was at its highest and Alterotic uh, I mean an AVN didn't have an award show. So what we did right. was we created our own AVN awards red carpet. We hmm. invited a bunch of people. We had, it was beautiful. We got the most amazing, honestly, better pictures than any AVN red carpet. I'll just tell you that because nice. I got to light it. We got to shoot some really cool shit. Sure. And then we had a red carpet that led to a, a tattoo table that she laid on for five hours and got this alien tattooed on her pussy. She cried through half of it. And then she did a blow bang that was nominated for best blow bang. So oh, wow. um, a few weeks after that, she caught COVID and was bedridden for a month. Oh. Then she went and got vaccinated and had a stroke. Oh, no. And we got all of this, all this recorded. We have all this footage. I went the next day after she, she was on the phone with me for two hours while she had a stroke driving f- down a mountain to the hospital. Oh, and, wow. Um, so we have, because her and I, we had shared so much. We would record everything just for the hell of it, just for like a YouTube channel, whatever else. Sure. And it just wound up where all these pieces started falling into this crazy, crazy pattern where <coughs> she has this stroke. I go out there the next day. I gave her one of the most, um, God, priceless things that I have. In Russia, when you are born, they give you this. It's like a metal or a coin. It's like a big coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got Lenin on one side. Yeah. And on the other side, they engrave your name. Wow. I had this thing, and I brought it to the hospital with her. Wow. And I recorded the whole thing. The funny mm. thing is, we have, her and I have this joke that my hallway pass my hall pass is Brad Pitt because I fucking love Brad Pitt. <laughs> so she would say that's her hall pass. So I ha- I got the helmet from Troy that he wore. It's like I have – it's not like the metal one. It was like a softer uh, material. Mm-hmm. But I put that on. I had flowers on my head and I recorded the whole thing. Me walking through the hospital in this dress like <laughs> Brad Pitt from Troy nice. to lighten up her mood. Sure. And so I come in there. And I'm recording, and I give her this coin. Everything, everything is recorded, and everything goes nice. on her DVD because two weeks after her stroke, first of all, four days later, I do this emotional interview with her where half her face is frozen, and yeah. she's telling her story. Sad. And then a week and a half later, she comes to LA with a heart monitor attached to her chest and shoots this most elaborate scene I've ever shot. Um, and it was nominated for Best Boy Girl Scene at XBiz. Then we wow. shot like two days later. Then she had a heart surgery. We got all that on tape. How's so she doing up, now? She, <coughs> she's doing much better. Um, she still has at night and when she's tired, 
she forgets things because yeah. brain damage from the stroke. Sure, um, sure. Her, her right hand loses strength sometimes. So physically, if you look at her, you're like, oh, she's fine. But there's so yeah. much more depression yeah. issues. Sure. Um, sure. A lot of things that still worried about possibly having a sh- another stroke. Yeah. Just going through the process of um, just remembering what she went through, you know, and um, and she's got a son who's got cerebral palsy, so oh, she's geez. got a lot on her plate. Um, so she's five years old, and you know, so she's taking mm-hmm. care of him, and then she's got her family that she's taking care of her mom, her dad, mm. uh, her brother. So she's got a lot on her plate, and and. We put this movie together. You know, she went and got her nipples tattooed. She got hearts that made out of barbed wire tattooed on her nipples hmm. while doing a scene. Then she <laughs> got her tail tattooed for the alien pussy. She got her tail tattooed. It goes through like her butt crack, but up her butthole around her leg. All this stuff we have, these this amazing footage that we put together mm-hmm. and wrapped around all this personal emotional stuff. And yeah. we wow. made this DVD that was nominated for best showcase at Fleshbot Awards, XBiz and nice. AVN. And honestly, I'm disappointed that neither XBiz or AVN gave her the best showcase because if we're going to talk about showcasing a human being and, and porn star, this is what this is about. Because yeah. my opinion, every year there's a showcase or every other showcase that what is, what, what's the common denominator? It's fucking on a high budget. That's what well, that is. Yeah. You have yeah, a big yeah. name girl, you get big name male talent or big name other female talent, right. great location. How is that standing out from any other big name, uh, big budget showcase? It does not. Yeah, this, right. this is a human piece. And to me, it, it that was the part that was like, it was disappointing. It was like, what? It, it, but I warned her. I said, look, I had over 100 nominations before I won my first thing. Nominations mean way more than awards because mm-hmm. you do get nominations as merit of your work. The other stuff, it is what it is. And um well, you're so, right. It's, <clears> very, <throat> it's very political and you and you can't take it personally. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And she's so new. She's only been for a year. So hmm. she, she's just learning this. This is my 20th year. I'm like, ah, pff, yeah. didn't win, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Um but what we were doing is we've been putting together this a mainstream a documentary for it. We have oh, wow. a sizzle reel that we cut that's on Vimeo that's that's uh, not for public consumption. It's a private thing that we send it to people with oh. passwords. Um, yeah, send that to me. It's got, okay, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yes, for sure. Because yeah. it's got her son in there. And mm-hmm. she sure. opened up, you know, like when I was editing the, her movie, the, the adult movie, she right. called me and she goes, I want to, because when, when I interviewed her four days after her stroke, we did uh, the whole interview about her. And then I said to her, you know, we probably should talk about your son. We will not use it, but I wanted you to talk about what you were thinking when this is happening and tell me sure. about your son. Sure. Because this is stuff that we might want to use later for something or other. Might as well record it and and later regret, not regret, not shooting this. So exactly. we did it. And then she called me one day and she goes, I really, my mission is to humanize the industry and i want to use the part of the interview where i talk about my son because nobody knew she had a son everybody just thinks yeah. that she's out there doing her thing yeah. and um that's how the movie starts the the, the porno it doesn't talk obviously there's no images of him it's only about she's talking about her struggles as a mom with a son who's five years old yeah. uh with cerebral palsy and now this and where she was you know in the interview she talks about how all she thought about is like, I need to go home. If I'm going to die, I want to mm-hmm. die at home right. with him. Yeah. I need to see my son. And it's emotional because as a yeah. parent, that's that's heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. So, Absolutely. So <clears throat> with us, we're like, well, let's put this documentary together. So we started showing the sizzle reel to people. And everybody's just like, you guys need to cut a mainstream movie of this. And you need to send it to film festivals. You need to <coughs> send it to yeah. anyone who would watch this. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. that's because there's a lot of stuff on there that's super weird. We propose we would propose to each other in the funniest ways, in the <laughs> weirdest ways. We have it all recorded. Nice. We do we do really because she's very nerdy, very <laughs> more nerdier than I am. I am be I have like thousands of action figures. I literally my house looks like forty year old virgin from that movie Forty Year Old Virgin. <laughs> that's literally my house. <laughs> when we went to see the movie with my friends, my friends all look at me. I'm like, "Fuck you guys! I'm not a forty year old virgin. Fuck you guys." But yes, my house does look like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, like with her, w- when we first started talking, it was literally an email. She emailed us about work. And I <coughs> reached out to her. We started talking. We spent five hours talking about 
like us showing off who owns what. She owns a huge sword collection from Game of Thrones. She loves Game of Thrones. That's her thing. Um, so not I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh, she would kill me if I Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> so I'm showing her all my stupid collections. And then uh, literally like three weeks after us talking, I'm like, can I come to visit you? She's like, please do. So she surprises me because she's a huge Gremlins fan. She even has the the Gremlin tattooed on her on her leg, upper mm-hmm. leg. Um, so I fly out to see her. She surprises me. She has me close my eyes. We drive. It's like 20 degrees because this was like December. Mm. I'm wearing shorts. I don't wear pants. I'm wearing shorts on the T-shirt. I'm like, what are, where are you at? She goes, close your eyes. She walks me into this building, walks me into a theater. I open my eyes, and she goes, we're here. I go, yeah, okay, we're in a theater. She goes, no, no, no. I've rented the whole theater for you and I just to watch Gremlins together. Jeez. Oh, and I was just like, this is this is this is my dream woman. This uh, who who does that? Who nice. does that? You know. And um, she went great. to the bathroom, and I cried. I cried, and I recorded myself crying, and I actually oh. sent it to her, but she didn't see it till we got back to. She rented a, a haunted bed and breakfast for us, so we stayed at a haunted bed and breakfast oh, as well. Oh. Um, so to try to outdo her when she for her first trip to LA, I made my whole living room into a UFO crash site. I bought an inflatable ten foot UFO. I put plastic wrap all over my house. I bought inflatable aliens that were like scattered all over the floor. I even had a little alien speaker that was talking to her in the kitchen while I was running inside, turning on all the lights, getting all the behind the scenes cameras rolling, everything else. Okay. It was uh so we're so we're constantly trying to do that for each other. You guys because, are you guys you guys are quite um, the pair. There's no two ways about it. But, y- yes. So so that's kind of like our game plan now. Let's we doing this documentary. We're trying to grow Alterotic, and we're trying to get a reality show together. We've been doing this thing called Two Russians, One America, hmm. where we just do weird, dumb things, and then we have all these weird friends with us. We have our hmm. tattoo artist, Evelyn Inc., who's got a split tongue, face tattoos, amazing tattoo artist, and she's a performer. And mm-hmm. we took her to a bed and breakfast, haunted bed and breakfast, and didn't even tell her until we're pulling up to it. We have footage of her like freaking out, like, I'm not staying here! You know, all kinds of stuff. So, um, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, pet projects, obviously trying to pay our bills. Um, but this year, our plan is to try to grow um, our get our YouTube channel together. I have my own YouTube channel. Alterotic has a huge YouTube channel. We're trying to get our Two Russians One America YouTube channel going, um, and just doing a lot of things. You know, like Texas Hassle Massacre Two. Hopefully, um, nice. Ink Motel Four. We did Ink Motel Three, and it got five AVA nominations, which is a lot wow. for a movie. It was shot everything concentrate. Yeah. There was not one person in there that got paid. Sure. And we uh, got five nominations, which is huge because we're competing really against is. big budget productions. Um, um, and it's literally because do, right? I like to shoot. That's it, that's exactly it. I love to light. I love to write weird shit. I, I'm in the movies. I don't do scenes, but I'm in the movies acting a fool, like a crazy Russian pornographer. I <laughs> scream and yell in Russian, all kinds of stuff. Um Fine. So we already started Ink Motel Four, I, or at least ideas for it. We just have a lot lined up, and and Good. and I'm really about helping talent uh, that wants um, to build their brand properly. Mm-hmm. Help them. You know, I helped Christy Mack, who's a huge name. She gives credit for me helping her build her brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped people like um, my co- <coughs> my company. <coughs> COVID cough. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, my company, Puba, we did sites for, we still run sites for Nicole Aniston, Asakira, Christy mm-hmm. Mack, Samantha Sane, uh, Allison Tyler. Mm. We did sites for Romy Rain, Abigail Mack. And all these girls were fairly new when they started. Mm. So my work helped them build those brands. That's got to feel Whether they want good. to admit to it or not. Yeah, it, it feels great, especially when someone like Christy Mack is huge. Gives me credit for helping her start her merch line, helping her build her brand um that means a lot because yes i've never wanted anything but from them except let's shoot cool stuff mm-hmm. let's help each other out and move on from there and some girls came and went some you know the typical you know um, I, you didn't do shit for me or whatever else you know i'm like i don't care i don't need the credit i don't give a fuck do your thing i don't <laughs> care you know so with no sweat off my balls i got to shoot some cool shit with some really cool people i'm happy um it's what the ma- and, uh, it's, and I'm, it's what makes the world go round, right? 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and and especially like with alt erotic, we shoot alt girls, and alt girls are basically stepchildren of porn. They really are. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not like they're getting a lot of work. They're already looked down on in society because like, oh, she's got tattoos, she must be a crackhead or whatever else, you know, mm-hmm. or drug dealer or 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 something. And um, to me, I look at alt girls as creative people who express their creativity or right. their passion or their emotions on their body because yes. they're telling a story with their body. And I love that. Um, so to me, yes. helping them out, like we have a girl, Amber Lou, because one of our brand ambassadors, she's got tattooed eyeballs, blue, baby blue eyeballs. She got mm. tattooed. And she came out here three years ago. I became like her big brother and I would I helped her out. She went crazy viral on um, YouTube. Her One of her videos is at 18 million views on mm. our channel. It's huge. And now we had a UK channel reach out to me wanting that content for their TV show. Fuck right. yeah, just give us credit. You yeah. know, so so there's like a lot of that going on. Nice. Um, I I love seeing people that are dedicated, that are good people mm-hmm. um, being successful. Because like, you know, I'm going to be 52. How long do I have left? I almost died three years, two years ago. I don't, uh, I don't know. Well, how long I well you know what, Ivan? I'm 64. Hopefully we both have a long time left. I'd really like to mm-hmm. thank you for being our guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk. And I know we have a lot more we can talk about, and I hope we'll have a chance to do it again really soon. Yes, this was great. I, I, I love sharing stories. So I could, t- I could talk for hours, as you could tell. So <laughs> Thank you very much. My broker tip today is part two of how to buy a site. Last week, we discussed first deciding the type of site you want to buy and then establishing what your budget is. Next, it's time to look for your new website. So where do you look? Well, Adult Site Broker is a great place to start. We always have a nice variety of website and non-website properties for sale. But if there's a particular type of site you want, we can also act as your buyer's broker to help you find just the right site. Other places to look are boards like xbiz.net and gfy.com. But to be completely honest, unless what you're looking for is a really low-end property, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for there. Of course, you could contact site owners yourself, but take it from someone who does it for a living. It's a major hassle, and it can be really hard to even find out who owns a site. Almost all adult sites use Whois privacy from their domain registrar, so when you send them an email, it will be to an anonymous address, and in most cases, the emails aren't returned. We have a huge database of sellers and generally know who owns what. And if it's a website of note, if we don't know who owns it, we can always find out. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And... Next week, we'll be speaking with therapist Dr. Monique. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Ivan of Alterotic. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.